to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. podcast listeners i'm jill mccormick and i'm robin wall and this is afraid not podcast and there's applause because guess what it's our 100th episode 100 we have we're been so excited we're so happy you're listening today and this is a really wonderful moment that we can recognize and say yay 100 episodes of afraid not since we started this in November of 2018. Wait, that's not right. When did we start when did this? We start this <laughs> Let's check that out. November of 2018. Oh, you are yes. right. Yay. So here we are. So glad to be with you today. And oh my goodness, do we have an amazing guest for you. You are going to want to listen to this one more than once. And I may just pinch myself. Just to remind myself, it was real. It really happened, Jill. <laughs> it's really true. We got to have Christy Knuckles on our episode 100 of Afraid Not. We are so, so grateful and excited that she said yes. Yes, we are very excited. You will, Robin, tell us how we know Christy Knuckles. Okay, so I go way back with Christy from our parents knowing each other before either of us were born, and they are lifelong friends. They have been friends since their college days and still to this day stay in touch, and there are about five or six couples that still affectionately refer to each other as the brethren. They get together often. They love each other a lot, and all of us uh, of their children, we got to know the children of the other families when we would get together in the summers in about the late 80s, early 90s, there were several years in a row that it worked schedule-wise. And that one of those summers is when I got to meet Christy for the first time. And um, we were just friends and enjoying um, being together with our families, going skiing, being in the lake, and just having a great time relaxing. And um, even from those early days, I remember when we would have times to worship the Lord together, all the families would just gather around, everyone would just sit and get out the guitars and people, someone would be at the piano, we'd praise the Lord and just sing. And as uh, I think Christy would have been about 15 or 16, the fat first summer that we were meeting each other. And even then at that very first time, she sang a song that she had written recently to that day. And I, my sister and I still can remember it and sing the song to each other. It was called Waiting for You, and she wrote it for her future husband. Oh, it was so sweet. And just from all the woven through my life, um, I've had so many interactions that I'm just so grateful for Christy. I'm grateful for her friendship at OBU, for the time that we were both students there for a while together. I'm grateful for the um how she sang in my wedding <laughs> chris's and my wedding she sang two songs beautiful songs and um through the years we've been able to see each other and um she is a pretty special person to me her gifts of songwriting and singing and leading worship have really changed my life and so to get to talk to her today was pretty meaningful to me and i'm glad i didn't start really crying and losing it because uh, some of the music she's written has been the type of song for me that is really a like a life song that I just have held on to like a lifeline and um, I'm really grateful for the song in her heart that she has shared <laughs> with all of us in the world today so if you are a listener that does not know who Christy Knuckles is I'm telling you what you've got to start listening to her music you will find some treasures and 
It will bless your life. She's also an author of the book, The Life You Long For, Learning to Live from a Heart of Lust. Her most recent song that has just come out this summer is called Abide. So you could give that a download and check that out. So we're really, really excited that Christy said yes and that she's on our podcast today. And Christy will talk about a time in her life when she had went through some hearing loss, which as a singer, you can imagine would be really catastrophic. So um, that's what she's going to talk about today, along with how she came to write some of her songs and about her book that she wrote. And she has her own podcast also called Glorious in the Mundane. So you're going to really, really love this episode. So listen in. Christy, thank you so much for joining us and being willing to be our 100th episode interview. We're so excited. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Well, we are just really trying to act cool (laughs) and contain ourselves. I'm keeping a lid figuratively on myself so that I don't act like a 15-year-old cheerleader. (laughs) As out with like high kicks that you hear. (laughs) Which you probably still can do. I think I you can, can probably still do something. <laughs> but having you on our show today, Christy, is such a blessing and a celebration because this is a very special episode for us to reach 100 is a really exciting thing. And we talked over like, how could we make this a really, really special episode? And it's like, well, pie in the sky. Like, what if we could get Christy Knuckles? What if we could get Christy? And then for you to be here, yeah. We just are thrilled. We thank you so much. <laughs> You've been on our, on our list from the very beginning. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I'm so happy it worked out and congratulations. I know what a huge deal that is as podcasters. So oh, thank yeah, you. it's a big deal. <laughs> I, I love what you do on Glorious in the Mundane. I love your podcast. When you did some bonus ones recently, I was like, oh, good. I, I was just right in there hearing all about just the things you have shared recently. So what a a joy. Um, Would you start us off today just introducing yourself, a little snapshot of you, and maybe we have some listeners who would love to know more about you. Maybe they have somehow never known about Christy Knuckles. I can't imagine, but in case there are some, would you just tell us a little bit about you? Oh, well, I meet people all the time that have never heard of me. And I always think it's just a great thing because it's like, wow, you you know, after all this time getting to do music for 25 years, it is actually fun to come up on people that they're like, I've never heard of you, but um, I am from Oklahoma and that is actually how I know you, Robin. And um, I'm a PK pastor's kid. And in fact, um, right now I'm recording in my dad's office. Um, He is still pastoring at 75 um, but I like to say, you know, I'm the youngest of three. Um, you know, I'm the only girl on both sides, actually, of my family. So I was the only girl cousin for about 20 years. And so I think I'm a little bit like still country. I think I'm a little bit, I was raised a little bit tomboyish. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> like climbing trees. I loved playing with Hot Wheels. But, um, you know, I, the Lord captured my heart when I was seven, um, really just going outside and sitting, um, and looking at nature. That was always my favorite thing as a kid. And I still have little pieces of paper that, you know, I collect collected from those times of like going out and sitting with him. And that's where I started actually writing poetry. And, um, it's neat to look back on those and kind of go, Oh, wow. Not only was that like the beginnings of, um, my heart connected to Jesus and him showing me that he was there with me. I, um, I believe looking back now, like I, I didn't know it then, but I was sensing his presence and, and then the beginning of poetry, the beginning of what would become songwriting. And so that started at a really young age for me. And so I still do that. Um, after all these years, I got married when I was 21 to a wonderful man named Nathan Knuckles. And when we met, it was really the the kind of a sweet merge as well of like, um, you know, falling in love, but also we became songwriters together and we kind of started making music together, if you will, um, you know, figuratively. And actually, uh, we started writing together when, um, you know, we were dating really. And so 
that's been a huge part of my life of just getting to um, make music, create records, um, and lead worship with with Nathan all of these years. And we have three kids together now. All three are musical in their own way too, which is really fun to watch. And we live in Franklin, Tennessee now. And um, this place is just for some reason felt like home since about 1999 for us. Um, all three kids were born here and uh, we spent about seven years in Atlanta, kind of a little jaunt to Atlanta. Um, but we came back. So we've been back here in Franklin seven years and we have two long haired dachshunds, George and Rudy. And, they're <laughs> our um, and uh, we're still making music together and getting to um, do a podcast, like you mentioned, the glorious and the mundane. And um, I think if I didn't, um, if I wasn't a singer, songwriter, worship leader, I think I would maybe be, um, I, I love decorating and design. I love home uh, design. And um, I think I would maybe do that if that's definitely one of my hobbies. I love antiquing and um, creating spaces that help people rest. And so that's a little bit about me as well. So is that a good snapshot? That's <laughs> a nice little snapshot. Um, Speaking of rest, let's talk about your book a little bit. Yes. Oh, yes. It's so great. In fact, here's my copy. Now, listeners, you can't see this because we're recording audio, but I have my, my copy that's traveled with me and been by my bedside and marked up that um, I actually got one of the copies that has Christy's signature because I, I think I pre-ordered. Oh, it's yes, you did. Special. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us what it was like writing a book. Yeah, well, this book, you know, was probably like um, 15 years in the making, even though um, when I finally sat down to, you know, get it on paper, working with an editor, that that process actually took more than a year and so it is a long long process um, slow birth yeah <laughs> it very much is um but i think you know this book was something as far as like the truths in it and the you know the things that i share about um that god has been teaching me for a long time you know it started really in my early thirties. And so that was when, um, I embarked on motherhood and, you know, I think God uses all kinds of things in our lives to, um, speak to us and get our attention and, um, to refine us. And, um, motherhood for me was one of those things that he really used early on. And I think it was because, um, I was at kind of, you know, the height of touring and I had a you know, record label at, at the time. And, um, we were touring really kind of all over the world when I, um, had littles. And so, as you can imagine, it was uh, quite a pull, you know, because, um, I wanted to keep going, wanted to keep, you know, doing what I was doing career wise, but the Lord was really, um, calling my heart home. And at that time, and I talk about it in the book, um, that was actually like a physical call home to like come and, and reprioritize, um, my world and reprioritize my family and my kids. And so God really used, um, kind of burnout and exhaustion and, um, going, you know, so hard for that season. He used that as a way to really get me to come home to him and spiritually um, learn how to rest. And so much of that was being able to pull apart, you know, my identity from what I was doing and my identity from that career. I was so, you know, busy um, uh, promoting and being a part of, and, and which were all good things and God was using it. It's, you know, it's, Sometimes it's really hard when it is good things, you know, that you feel like, well, you know, this is my passion and my gifting, and this is what I should be doing with my life. And um, so the Lord really used that kind of a um, that time, that season of like it feeling like, you know, I had really um, reached a place of like um, I can't keep going, and He, you know, um, used that in a way that like it really changed me to this day. I mean, it changes how I say yes and no to things. Um, it changes the way that I still am able to 
view myself as a daughter, as the beloved of God, and um, rather than a commodity, um, you know, even in the church, you know, I think sometimes we can feel like um, we're just this, this thing that, um, you know, I'm only worth what I can kind of crank out and produce today. Um, we can get in that mentality rather than being a loved child and seeing ourselves like that. And then how that causes us to live differently to everyone around us. And so, yeah, the book was, um, it was hard to get kind of all of that, um, out because I really do kind of use a visual in the book of living from the inside out. And it's the bullseye. Um, and you wouldn't imagine that that would be, you know, a hard thing, but when you're just using words, it's like really hard to kind of like, um, <laughs> right. you know, just kind of living from this bullseye place. What does that look like? What does that mean? And so it was, um, I'm thankful for my editor. I will say that. <laughs> One thing I love about it is the title you chose, because even in the title, the life you long for, learning to live from a heart of rest, it just gives the idea and the understanding that it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I'm ever going to wake up and say, well, I got it mastered now. Yeah. I have learned, you know, it, instead it's a whole that we're, it's a longing and loving and learning as I go. And I'm mm-hmm. never going to say, well, that's learned, check <laughs> that off because it's our, our walk with the Lord is an ongoing thing. And he always has new things for us in that. But I love many parts of the book. Um, I love how you wove in some of your songs. Five of your songs are chapter titles and you wove in the stories of those. So listeners, if you haven't gotten this book, The Life You Long For, be a good, like put it on your, I want this for my birthday list for your family or something. But I just love how you have the, uh, the insight God put into your heart and then you share it with us as readers. And I, I really benefited from it and I loved it. Thank you. I think that's a good point though. It's, it's easy for us to forget that we're just children of God, like when having children of our own, all three of us do, um, just changes the way we look at ourselves as children of God, because they don't have to do anything for me to love them. Mm -hmm. And I, sometimes I just want to hang out with them. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? And to think that that's what our heavenly father is with us, like, you don't mm-hmm. have to do anything for my approval. I just want yeah. to hang out with you. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times just in parenting in general, like you're saying, whether it's, you know, the way we view them or the way that um, we're able to um, kind of understand what they're going through, um, you know, from our own childhood or whatever it is, but like just that, but even like the times that I've disciplined them, you know, like, I can't tell you how many times that, um, especially when you know, hopefully we're all doing that from a loving place. You know, I know it's sometimes it's like, you know, it takes you a second to get to that loving place of discipline, but like <laughs> how many times, like, have you just been, you know, saying something to them or, you know, I've, you know, maybe just like a teachable moment where you're sharing and then you almost just feel like the Lord's like saying it to you in that very moment at the same time. It's like such a, a beautiful thing to, um, how parenting has, has always done that for me. And I talk about that several times in, in the book about, you know, the Lord using my own children and even me coming home to, um, take care of them as a way to teach me how to be his kid again. And, um, because I think that's something that we also, you know, forget is, um, really how that we, we get to be postured as his kids, you know, and that's something that I think we forget because we have our own responsibility and we have weight on us, or we have things that we're carrying or jobs that we're doing. And, um, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Just for the ways that God used parenting to help me just learn how to be a daughter again. It's been really sweet. I'd like to take a second, um, just a little moment of the podcast. Would you just tell us the story of how you met Nathan? Oh, yes. Um, okay. So my parents went to Oklahoma Baptist University and um, both my brothers went there. So it's a special place. And 
So um, the fact that we also met on that campus is a really sweet thing. Um, but at the time, it's kind of funny. I was actually um, not a student there. I was in high school. I was, um, I think it was maybe the summer before my junior or senior year that I, in high school that I met Nathan, I'm not recalling the year it was right now, but when I very first met him. Um, and I, I, I was actually dating a friend of his. Is this the story you're thinking of, Robin? Well, it might be. Because actually, I go way back, listeners. I went to middle school and high school with Nathan. Yes. And some music experiences like choirs and in, uh, musicals and stuff with him but please do tell it please <laughs> this is actually like a really like early on meeting and then I can tell you again how we reconnected but um so I was dating his friend Brandon and um I was on campus visiting my brother at the time and you know Brandon and I weren't really serious at the time it was just we were just we were it was like I was living in um uh, the Tulsa area. And this was, you know, kind of far away. And anyway, he'd forgotten my birthday or wasn't around for my birthday or something and was going to surprise me. And so he had this Volkswagen bug at the time. And, you know, he took me in this Volkswagen bug, he blindfolded me and took me into what is, um, Ford music hall, which is where my parents would have like, you know, rehearsed and like, oh, yeah. um, they were both music majors. So yeah, I knew where I was hours and hours of my days too. Oh yes. Oh yes. So, you know, it was a special place to me as a kid, you know, knowing like, okay, my parents met here, this music, you know, building was really important to them. And so he takes me to back to one of those practice rooms and I sit down at the piano and I'm still like, or I sit down in a chair and I'm still blindfolded. And he takes my blindfold off and I'm sitting in this, you know, rehearsal room. It's really tiny. There's just an upright piano in there and Brandon's in there and this other guy and he's this <laughs> other guy sitting um, at the piano, at the piano bench, getting ready to play a song apparently. And um, the guy sitting at the piano was Nathan Knuckles. And um, I remember taking the blindfold off and being like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, so then Brandon gets down on his knee and I'm like, kind of like, you know, I'm starting to sweat a little bit going like, what is happening? Well, Brandon sings a song that later I would find out that Nathan and Charlie wrote called deeper than the blue, which you probably know this song. And, but he had like, he was thankfully kind of, he was being silly and he had changed some of the words to kind of talk about how we met at false Creek and all this stuff. Well, Nathan's playing for him while Brandon's singing this. Well, um, that was just kind of a funny part of our story. And you know that God just has to have fun with like moments uh, like that, where it's kind of like, yeah, this is going to make a lot more sense to you later and be <laughs> doubly funny later. But it would be um, the summer. It was the summer of 93, actually, that um, Nathan and I reconnected out in um uh, Estes Park, Colorado, and um, broken up with the other guy at this time. <laughs> yeah, we I had moved on from Brandon. Thankfully, <laughs> he's doing just fine now. Um, but yeah, he um, he and Charlie, Nathan and Charlie, were out in Colorado, and they were um, a part of this conference that you could kind of submit some songs to, and um, you know you could. Uh, see all these different uh, Christian artists each night. It was like, you know, a week long thing. And um, I had gone out there with my parents and I was uh, a part of some of the, you know, breakout sessions and things. And you could just, you know, do all these different like things as a songwriter or a singer. And, um, but we reconnected that first night. I'll never forget. I was in line to see Rich Mullins and in concert and, um, I remember exactly what I was wearing. In fact, we were laughing the other day because my youngest daughter, Annie, she was wearing the cowboy boots that I was wearing that night. I'm like, you know, nice. I was, <laughs> like, you know, I was wearing those the night that I met your dad. And, um, so it was, uh, then that we kind of reconnected and, um, and then, you know, Nathan and Charlie and I were a part of a group kind of you know, formed a group called Sons and Daughters right after that. And so the rest is sort of history <laughs> that we would reconnect in Colorado, but we married in 95. Yeah. So 
Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for indulging to hear <laughs> the memory lane fun stories yeah. from the past. <laughs> Did you immediately recognize him as the piano player? Um, yes, I knew because after that I was like, then I knew who he was. And then, you know, it's like small, small world in the OBU family. And so then it was kind of like, okay, who is this Nathan Knuckles guy? And um, <laughs> kind of, yeah, definitely knew who he was at that point. So really fun. Well, we, um, the title of our podcast, I'm sure you know, Afraid Not, we like to have our interviewees share about a time that God really carried them through. And like Colossians 1.17 says, he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Mm -hmm. And we especially are aware of that when we're in a storm and when we're in a time where we're just hanging by a thread, we're aware of him holding us all the time, but especially in the dark. So um, I just wondered what the Lord may have laid on your heart for you to share with our listeners about a time that the Lord carried you through afraid not. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's hard for me not to think of um, when I went through um, hearing loss um, several years ago, and I talk about it in my book and I think, you know, that's, that's scary for anybody. It doesn't matter, you know, what you do as a profession, but of course, as a, as a singer, it was um, terrifying news and um, it came pretty, it came on pretty sudden. Um, I, we had been on a tour and I had gotten some sort of a, what just felt like a virus, you know, just a normal kind of sickness type thing in the winter, you know, and we were on a Christmas tour and, um, and I noticed that both ears just felt full. And so I just thought, okay, well, I've got like some kind of a, you know, drainage issue, or it's just, you know, you know, ear infection type thing. And so I kind of waited a little bit and, um, the holidays were happening and it was like kind of hard to get in to see an ENT. And so I really wasn't that worried about it. And then when I went and sat down um, with an ENT and I didn't even bring Nathan with me because I just thought, oh, this is like, you know, ear infections. This is just, yeah, nothing. And, and I, it was just like, I, they had me do a hearing test beforehand and, um, and I was just really caught off guard when he, and he was kind of just a matter of fact about it, you know, and he just sort of was like, well, here's what's going on. You have sensory neural hearing loss. Um, it's probably caused from some sort of virus that you might've had, or, you know, he's just kind of laying it out there. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, again, just starting to sweat and going like it, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. Can you start over? Like, this is like a big, big deal. And, and so even, even when I went home, you know, it, it felt, I just felt so alone in it because, um, you know, I, in, in fact, I have so much compassion now for people who go through, um, physical things because it's just almost like a part-time job. You know, you've got to find the right doctor. You've got to find specialists. You need to get a second opinion. And of course I needed to get, you know, an MRI done and tests. And, um, and even in the MRI, they found this spot on my brain that, um, they said, you know, well, it's not actually connected to the hearing loss. And so you're also going to need to go see a neurosurgeon. And so it was just this time from probably like that December until like around February that I was able to like start getting some answers. And then it was, um, you know, that, that spring pretty much that I was still, um, very much, uh, struggling, especially in my left side. And, um, and so, you know, I remember too, that I had had all this fresh vision for the coming year, you know, um, going into Christmas, I always love to kind of know what's next so that I'm able to rest in a way that's like, okay, I know that's coming. These are the pieces that I felt like are, you know, what I need to walk into in this coming year. And so it was like, you know, I was ready to hit the ground running and, and then it was just like, Lord, what are you doing? All of a sudden it felt like this blanket of just limitation. And, you know, whether that was just my time and even just the way I physically felt. And it was just like, Lord, you know, I felt like, I felt like you had told me, you know, you want me to do this, this, and this. And so of course that was just a season of 
feeling like um, I was a bit in the dark, you know, it was definitely like, um, I remember sometimes just the only way that I would feel um, I could, cause I had such a, um, I had a lot of, uh, you know, that rushing sound in your ears um, and, and sometimes just to feel like everything was okay. Again, I would get in the bathtub and run the water so that I couldn't hear the roaring in my ears. And that was the place that just in my bathroom, sometimes that I would just um, hear from him and hear from the Lord. And, and when I didn't know what to do, what's so sweet is that um, I would sing. And a lot of times it was just songs that little choruses that I had learned probably when I was you know, seven or eight years old, just when you're first learning to really know what worship is and to praise God and to sing to him. And, and so I would, I would sing to him to feel close to him. And in those moments, you know, it's just like the Lord, um, you know, those times that, you know, seasons of what they call seasons of consolation or, you know, mountaintop uh, times in our lives when, just, it feels like everything for whatever reason, you're just stepping into the right steps. And like the Lord is just, there's, um, you know, he, there's breakthrough, there's, you know, just those mountaintop experiences. And, and I remember thinking, you know, just sitting there in that bathtub with that water running and singing to the Lord. I just thought, Lord, thank you for those times when I was able to like store up praise for these dark days, you know, and it made me think, wow, like the seasons of when, you know, we're on the mountaintop, it's like, may those be times when we're storing up, you know, in our reserves, like we're praising God on the mountaintop for those times that we, you know, we are going to walk into the Valley. I mean, Jesus said, you know, you're, you're going to have trouble. There's no, you know, if, and, but about it, it's like, we're going to have trouble in this life. And and I think really, especially with the hour that we're living in right now, the world we're living in, it feels like what we do with discouragement and disappointment has, you know, it's, that's everything. It's really like, where are we going? Because it's going to happen and it is happening. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but it's just like everyone I talk to, it feels like they are just in a really discouraging season. Um, and what we do with that discouragement and where we go to for relief is just, it's everything. And so I'm learning, um, to be actually thankful for those seasons. I mean, I'll look back on that and just what, how that brought me close to God's heart. Like, I don't know that anything would have brought me that close to his heart in that season. And then what I know is birthed out of that, like just looking back on it and, and, and the whole book came, you know, after that, and just, he is going to pour back in and he is going to restore and he is going to show up, but I've learned to be thankful for those times that you feel like you're hanging by a thread because it. I don't know that anything else in my life has ever afforded me more just closeness to the heart of God for what he even wanted to do in me and through me, you know? Um, so yeah, I've learned to just look at those times and really love God in those times, um, for what he's just doing and bringing me back to his heart. So how long did that period of hearing loss last for you? Yes. Yeah, so, um, the Lord, um, really did, um, a miraculous healing in my ears. Um, my doctor who I don't, I don't think is a believer, but he, um, he just came out so puzzled. It was probably, so if it started in like December, it was around May that I went back in and I had felt like there was significant improvement and he came out waving this hearing test. And he just said to me, he was like, you need to go home and have a party. He was like, all those people out in the waiting room, they're here to get implants. And he was like, I don't ever see this. And he was like, look at, look at your improvement. Like, and it had like, 
I mean, like mostly recovered. And so it's just incredible. And so I, I know that I know that the Lord did that. And I went to my car and had a quiet party with the Lord first, just me and him, because looking back on those times and just the bath water running and me singing and just going like, Lord, you only, you know, like the depths of everything that this means to me and just like where I was and and then where I am right now. And so I'm just so grateful. I mean, yeah, he, he definitely healed me and I'm so beyond grateful. So So that doctor wasn't expecting for you to get any hearing back. I mean, he really wasn't because he said the amount of time that you had waited during, you know, just thinking this was kind of like, you know, not something huge. He was like, he was, he really, he actually, um, he said, this is even just kind of a last ditch effort. I remember it was a snow day here and he was so kind. And I know even how that worked out because he was a specialist and a friend of mine was able to get me in with him. Cause normally, you know, it takes months and months to get in with a specialist. And so that, and even we found out later that he thought my friend was someone else. And so he pulled a favor. I mean, it was just like all this stuff that only God, like you could just see God pulling strings and, and he basically like injected steroids, like into my actual eardrum. And that was the the last ditch ever. He was like, this is most likely too late for this. Um, but that felt like that is what God actually used or God just did it, but that it worked. And so he, he was, he was blown away because he was just like, I don't think this will work, but let's try anything we can. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool looking back on all, when all God did. Wow. Was he expecting like a total hearing loss for you? Was that his, at least just, um, that it wouldn't recover from where it was. Cause like once those, there's like these cochlear hairs inside of there. And once they lay down, they say the chances of them standing back up. I mean, he was like, I think the first doctor said you have a 50, 50 chance. Um, but he was like, um, and then, and then this guy, cause it was much later, like he was just saying, yeah, the chances of this recovering are, are, are pretty slim because you've waited so long. And so, um, I've learned that hearing loss is a medical emergency. And so if you ever feel like that, you, anyone listening, if you feel like you can't hear it's needing to go immediately because it is, it is a time thing and the quicker they can get, get you help inside of there is, especially when it's back in your inner ear is where it was. And so scary stuff, but. Well, tell us about your newest release abide, which I have been loving listening to so much and, and how it's been so meaningful and how special that song is. Yes. Well, you know, one of our favorite things is getting to collaborate with other artists and that we look back on all our years of, you know, getting to do music and it's usually those collaborations that end up standing out to us. And, um, we met, um, our friend, Aaron Williams, um, last year, actually, we ended up doing, um, a songwriting retreat with him out at Lost Valley Ranch, which is where, um, our Ellie, our middle daughter, um, worked for about a year. And so she was out there working. So it was fun to go get to see her. And, and so, we um, really just got to know his heart a little bit. And, um, and I love, especially worship leaders and songwriters who are really intent and so intentional on um, really creating songs that are from scripture, that are um, just a, a, a place that, you know, we're able as the church to use these tools and resources to be able to just sing the truth of God. And that's always really been my favorite thing since I was a kid too, of just like merging, like either just truths from the word of God or merging the word of God with melody. And so I feel like Aaron did that so beautifully with this song abide. And, and he actually reached out to me and he just said, what would you think if, you know, you recorded abide? He was like, I would love to actually have a female worship leader leading this song because it's actually, um, whether people know this or not, it's actually hard 
to get a song to have traction in the church where people are singing it on Sundays, you would think that that's easier than it, than it is, but abide had started to really get traction. And he was like, I want this to be available for women worship leaders. And that's close to my heart because I actually mentor women worship leaders monthly and online. And so it's always neat to me to think about like resourcing them and having songs and, and you probably know, Robin, I don't know if you sing Joe, but like having songs and girl keys, it's like, it's a, it's a very good resource. Like, especially when you're leading worship and, you know, and so it's like, I would love to do this actually. And so, um, and of course, you know, the truth of John 15, um, even though my book, you know, doesn't really explore John 15 that much, um, rest comes from abiding. And, um, I always say that like trust and surrender equals rest. And I think trust and surrender is what abiding really looks like on a daily basis. And I think that, um, you know, we really discover our identity, like when we start to learn how to abide. And so, so much of the truth and the practice of abiding in Jesus, um, it, it reveals so much about who we really are. And so I've always loved, um, just the, the, the message of John 15 and, and what it looks like to, um, you know, really come to that realization in your life that you can't do anything apart from Jesus and, and in him and with him, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing too, to think about what we are able to do. And of course that's, you know, produce fruit. That's what we're made to do. And it's such a joy. You know, I think when you get to see the kinds of things that come from your life, when you're abiding. And so I just love that. Um, the song, I love that it's, um, easy to sing. It's beautiful. And so I'm so just excited to get to be a part of helping it have, you know, wings and, um, and reach, reach people. So it's been really sweet. So as a female worship leader, was that difficult when you started, we talked to Jamie Smith a while back and she was talking about how difficult it was when she started out because there weren't really female worship leaders. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, now it feels like, um, the Lord has raised up so, so many now, but just in the beginning, yeah, it was, um, I don't know, you know, some people have asked me about, about that recently and, and I've, I've, I kind of, as I think about it, it's like, when I look back on it, I don't know that I was aware or looking around going, there's not very many, you know, female worship leaders. I think it just felt at the time, like, um, stepping into what I'd always, um, knew that I was supposed to do somehow. And so, um, when I look back on, especially like when, you know, passion conferences started, um, back in 97 and we were a part of the very first one and, um, and they were already kind of pulling in some girls that were leading. And so, um, it just paved a way for me, I think, to, um, be able to step into that. And of course, just like, I always, um, tell worship leaders, you know, like look around at your young people that you have, you know, and if it hadn't been for a, a sweet worship leader named John Kilgore in, in Tulsa, um, you know, who basically had me lead in front of a hundred voice choir when I was 17 years old, like he entrusted me with that kind of stuff before I was probably even ready, but looking back on it, um, it caused me to kind of rise to the occasion, you know? And so I love thinking back on, um, how just an adult, you know, saw something in me and, and was like, come on, you know, and move over. In fall of 94, Chris and I were newlyweds and we were living in Ada. First Baptist Church Ada was his um, for a full-time ministry kind of start for full-time. And that was where I think we had you come for a night of praise. And that would have been, I think before you were married to Nathan. Probably. Was, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think we recorded the evening on a cassette tape and then that cassette tape, <laughs> 
was my precious prized possession because I was still commuting back and forth to OBU for my senior year. So I would just put my little cassette tape in and just sing along with Christy all the way my 45 minutes to school. And um, oh, wow. I, I mean, sadly, cassette tapes are so ancient that if I could get my hands on it, it'd be such a treasure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, I love hearing stories of where, how the Lord birthed the song for you from the lyrics or the melody or um, just treasures of how those songs came to be. And maybe just one or two, would you share just a couple little fun little, um, the origin story of how did God give you? I don't, I, and it's probably hard to choose off the top because he's given you so many wonderful mm -hmm. songs, but maybe one that just stands out. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think about, there's a song, um, called river of grace. It's actually on the lullaby, uh, project that we did, um, four or five years ago. And, um, it's actually kind of about, um, a, a conversation that I had with our youngest Annie at the time, she was probably nine years old and, um, she's our third and she was always kind of our ticker. She was always just our bounciest one and, um, most energetic and, you know, as a parent, sometimes the Lord just gives you like, I think the Holy spirit tips us off sometimes to go like, Hey, not everything's, you know, right, right now, or just like, there's something going on and you need to press in. And so I could just tell she was just a little less bouncy and, um, she just was seemed heavy, which was not like her. And so I remember just, you know, bringing her in, um, our room and we have a couch in front of our bed and, when I just said like, Hey, tell me what's going on, you know? And of course, it, you know, this is another thing with parenting, as we know, like just when we, when you initially ask, there's usually not a response. And a lot of times you just have to wait and you have to sit in it and you have to keep asking questions. And just because they might kind of blow you off at first, doesn't mean, um, and then I'll often, you know, I'll just sit there and pray kind of just in my mind and say, you know, relying on my supernatural resources of the Holy spirit and just say like, Holy spirit, help me. I need your help right now. And so I just remember just sitting and waiting with her and talking to her. And finally, after probably 45 minutes, um, she told me that she had seen something on the internet that on accident. Um, and so we were like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, um, take that to Jesus and talk to him about it. Let's use your words. You know, it was just so sweet to help her use her own words to talk to Jesus about it. And, and I remember just, you know, talking about imagining that we just have this river, um, of grace that we get to just set, we get to set that down in there. We get to unload it on Jesus and when he's going to take it, you know, he's going to carry it. He's going to lift it. And so that song came from just that little conversation that I had with her. Um, and it ended up, you know, being this song that even recently, just before her school was out in May, we, we went, Nathan and I went and led a chapel at, um, her high school and she's a freshman now and, or she's going to be a sophomore, but she led worship with us at that chapel. Annie Rose did. And, and then to get to sing that over her classmates, sing river of grace over them mm. and to watch just the stillness and the, the presence of God really fall in that place. And, um, and she, even, she can tell, I guess they keep tabs on what each other are listening to. I think like that high school crew can like go and she's like, mom, all my friends are listening to river of grace. <laughs> Oh, really precious. So, so sweet to think like a song that even started with her and just getting to like, then share that with, with her friends. And yeah, it's just precious, but that's one that comes to mind. Um, you have a list of 22 songs. Um, I do. So when, when <laughs> I was, um, I'm like you might need list to of like me. people we are hoping to get to interview and as I was writing your name, I just thought, I just, there's so many songs that are like friends to me that have been mm. just 
like a, a memory. Like I, I think of the title of the song and I'm like captured back to that moment or that summer or that time that God just sustained me. And I mean, truly your songs have been like that to me. Mm. Um, I mean, even today, even today, how kind is this of the Lord? Today, I happened to be, I'm doing the chronological Bible reading plan with Tara Lee Cobble, which is actually, I'm really liking it. It's my third year in a row. I should probably move on and do it, like get myself out of the shell, but I'm loving it. <laughs> but I happened to be in Nahum one through three and Nahum one, three, one, three, the, the little ending of the verses and the clouds are the dust of your feet. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's, that's one of the lines that Christy used in How Big You Are, which mm -hmm. is the song that Chris has, my husband Chris has referred to for the past 25 years as his life song. Mm -hmm. And the lyric says, how big you are, the clouds are but the dust at your feet. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it goes on beautifully, but I just found that today. And when I see in scripture, something that my heart knows in tune, and it's a melody God gave you. I just, it moves me. It's, it's huge. It's special <laughs> and it's personal. So, well, and I do think that's true. Like when you, when Bible verses are made into songs, it's so much easier to memorize. Like a lot of the scripture memory that I have memorized, if I say it, I'm saying it in a tune in my head. Cause I know the song or whatever. Uh -huh. so it's just, and it's so makes it so much easier yeah. to remember scripture when you put it to music. Yes. Yeah. That's so sweet. You mentioned that one, Robin, because, um, do you remember, you know, when we did my parents 50th yeah. and at your parents' house, yes. they hosted there and, um, we had this anniversary party for them and all our families got back together and, I did a podcast episode where I shared us singing together, you know, that afternoon and how big you are was one of the songs. Then you and Chris had to feed me the lyrics because I couldn't even remember the lyrics. You were like, no, it says this, it goes like this. <laughs> I guess that happens if you write. I know. Well, <laughs> and, and actually, so that, that song, um, I think it's only been recorded once and I don't know that you could find anywhere because I think we recorded it on like a Beth Moore um, she did some sort of album of like, it was even maybe before she was publishing stuff. It was like, cause she was at our church in Houston when we were there. And, um, but we sang it, you know, as families. And then I of course shared it on my podcast, but my friend, Jenna Claire, who at the time was on Broadway at, in the show wicked. She, um, was, um, wow. Yeah. And she would talk about how her podcast my podcast was kind of like her church, you know, in that season. Wow. And she heard that episode and she can sing you how big you are just from the podcast episode. And it is her favorite song. She's like, awesome. when are you going to record how big you are? <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. But I actually wrote that song. Um, the day that I decided to actually quit the music program at, um, Oklahoma Baptist and, um, and, and really, because it just, I knew like the Lord just had something different in terms of music for me. And, um, and I remember having like a really hard conversation with my professor and, um, felt kind of like, Oh, am I doing the right thing? And went to my dorm and there was that piano remember in the WMU dorm. Yes. Um, yes. And I sat at that piano and just that song came out, um, yeah. in that afternoon. And I felt like it was just affirmation of a Lord going, I know this doesn't seem like the natural path or that doesn't seem like what it's everyone else wants you to do, but trust me, like I have you, I've got this. And that song just felt like this kind of confirmation of like that I was walking in the right footsteps. So, <laughs> so yeah. sweet. but maybe someday we talked about, maybe that will appear on the next lullaby album or something it would be a good one. Oh, yeah that would be so great i i will um hope for that <laughs> oh man well i i feel at a loss for how to even express well enough just how much we appreciate you and how how much your ministry of music has meant to to my life and to to so many others so many 
Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to buy our love today. And I just thought you were talking earlier about like in this today's how everything is and that mm-hmm. people are just so vicious. And that's, mm-hmm. I love that song so much. Cause I'm, I mean, that will preach today. Like they will mm-hmm. know us by our love. We need yeah. to be showing love yeah, <laughs> to each other, to the other people. But yeah, that's, that song really hit me. Mm, I love that one. Yeah. I remember Nathan, um, when we were writing those lyrics, um, I was actually like, I was weepy and he was like, Christy, I don't know if you can cry at your own lyrics. You <laughs> 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 know they're from the Lord. If it's like <laughs> the lyrics are moving you. But yeah, I remember uh, that one, writing that one in our basement in Alpharetta and in, in Georgia and um, being moved by that myself, just mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. I'm just mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of expression coming out of us as the people of God. Yeah. And the expressions that, you know, our heart connects with music. Music is such a gift that God's given us. And mm-hmm. it's a way that God ministers to us and lets us, lets us um, get closer to him and, and to release that praise that we just were born to release. And, and, and um, just actually this past, I think it was in May, we can um, let you know later. I'll send it to you if you would like, but Elizabeth Martin recorded on Afraid Not. And um, we were at OBU together years ago, Christy. And the song that God gave you, Beloved, Mm-hmm. She said that that was like, that was not, not just a for the moment song. It was her every it's day. Her life song. She woke up and she had to deal with the loss of her mom and dad. Her parents were killed in one day and oh. she, she would play beloved mm-hmm. on repeat every day. And it was episode 93. Wow. That, that is a gift that God put in your heart that is carrying people around the world and all those gifts that are just for us to praise the Lord. Um, it's really extraordinary that those gifts were birthed in your, in your heart and your, your voice. And um, we just thank you. Well, thank you all. Thank you so much. It's so encouraging, you know, to just, especially right now, as I'm, I'm finishing lyrics for a new project and all of that just, <laughs> to just trust the Lord with it. And, um, and it's just so obviously it's so sweet just to hear the different stories like that. And, um, just that keeps you, you know, dependent on the Lord in the way that like, um, that he will give those kind of songs and melodies and lyrics, because I just, it really, um, there's so much prayer that goes into even just the beginnings of, of these songs and, Um, even sometimes when I'm searching for the right, you know, verse or chorus or bridge or whatever it is, it's, I just, I love to pray into it because I think I've, you know, just seen the stories or heard the stories and, um, met people face to face, um, all over the place that it's hard. You can't explain it. It's just like only the Holy spirit could do that kind of work. And so I feel like it is such a partnership with him. And, um, but it also is just very, um, it keeps me going to, to hear things like that. So thank you for telling me. When should we look for that new project? Whatever you are, you're in the tracking of it right now, but it'll be a release date. Yeah, we don't have an exact release date, but it'll probably, we'll release some singles. That's our plan as of right now, um, before the end of the year. And then maybe just right after the first of the year would be like the full, Thing. So we're still, y'all will be the, you're the very first to know that information right there. So uh, exciting. <laughs> yeah. So we're hoping to maybe this fall, at least release a couple of songs and then maybe two more, uh, right after Christmas. We'll see, but, um, yeah, we're just having fun with it right now and, um, excited for what's to come. So awesome. Well, May the Lord bless you and keep you and may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Christy, we love you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listeners, thanks for being with us for this very special episode of Afraid Not, episode 100. And glad that you were a part.
part of this, listening to Christy's story and listening to some of the fun behind the scenes things about her music. We are going to put in our show notes a list of her, um, her book that she's written, her podcast, her recent song that has just been out a few weeks called Abide. And also, um, I sat down and wrote a list of my favorite songs of Christie's, and I counted it up, and there were 22 titles. And since it's 2022, I know it's cheesy, but I'm just going to put Robin's favorites. And <laughs> if you haven't listened to these songs, then I just want to encourage you to listen to them and be blessed. So anyway, make sure to rate and review and subscribe and share with a friend. That's how we get a lot more listeners when you share it with other people. And again, we're so excited. Thanks for being with us for a hundred episodes. Yay! And happy fall, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks.